Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, surveys show many Americans want to continue working remotely at least some of the time moving forward, but beware, your homeowner's insurance policy may not cover that scenario. Also this morning, the one thing we lose in the work-at-home scenario is the camaraderie and connections with our co-workers, but there are ways to recapture that teamwork mindset. Today's Everyday Agriculture segment, in his own words, the priorities for the USDA that Tom Vilsack outlined in his committee hearing to be President Biden's Ag Secretary. And to help close the access and availability gap among Ohio minorities, the online recovery platform Sober Grid is making its full spectrum of services available free of charge for those in need. We have details. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Thursday, February 18th, 2021. WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. The WTOL 11 first alert forecast is calling for snow showers today and a high of 26. Chance of snow tonight, a low of 12. Finley-Hancock County Economic Development has announced that Amazon is coming to town. Yeah, obviously Amazon's growing like crazy. And um, we think it's great to have a company like that in town. Take a look at the other communities they've been in and, and how they operate. So really excited. Economic Development Director Tim Miley says Amazon will be occupying a 100,000-square-foot spec building off of Crystal Avenue. He says they'll be hiring around 160 employees, and they look to be operational in the summer. Get more on our website. Governor DeWine says the state has been contacted by hundreds of groups hoping to be the next in line to receive the COVID vaccine. 700 different groups, uh, over 700 now, have sent us letters and indicated to us they want to go next. In fact, some of them would say, we want to go now. Uh, you know, it's human nature. I want to go now. But the governor says there will be no additions to the eligible groups list for a few weeks because he wants to make sure everybody 65 and over who wants the vaccine can get it. Meantime, Ohio is in the final steps of developing a statewide website where you can schedule your COVID vaccination. It's currently operational. However, the state is now looking to work with vaccine providers to launch it. Once it's fully ready to go, the governor says it'll be a one-stop shop for vaccine appointments. The hope is to have it up and running soon. A winter safety reminder from the Finley Fire Department. Fire Chief Josh Eberly says blocked furnace exhaust pipes can lead to a buildup of dangerous levels of carbon monoxide. And that's a deadly situation because it's colorless, it's odorless, and it's very dangerous. So we just want people to be safe and be cognizant of of those kind of things that we typically don't have to worry about. And he's urging homeowners to check their furnace exhaust pipes to make sure they're not plugged up by the accumulating snow that we've been getting. Get more safety tips on our website. Get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. I'm Matt Demchek with 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. Sad news uh, yesterday, the uh, passing of uh, Rush Limbaugh. Not unexpected news necessarily. Obviously, he had talked about his cancer diagnosis being terminal, and uh, he had indicated that the treatment had not been as successful as he had hoped. But uh, still, nonetheless, it is uh, it is said, love him or hate him, uh, Rush Limbaugh was a tremendous entertainer, first and foremost. I think that's one of the things that people forget uh, or, or overlook, I guess, uh, about uh, Rush Limbaugh. And I guess uh, being in the broadcast industry, uh, one of the things that I always was uh, in awe of, of uh, Rush Limbaugh, was the fact that he was such a tremendous uh, entertainer. Um, he knew his audience. He knew how to connect with his audience. He knew how to draw people in and uh, setting aside all of the controversy, and part of the controversy was what made Rush Limbaugh what he was, but uh, just a uh, tremendous legacy that he leaves. Love him or hate him, Rush Limbaugh was someone who will never be forgotten and never be truly replaced. A very good morning to you. If you need a reason to celebrate today, it is Crab Stuffed Flounder Day. Crab Stuffed Flounder Day today. It is also National Battery Day to focus attention on the importance of recycling your batteries so that they stay out of landfills, 
You protect the planet when you recycle your batteries. You prevent fires caused by batteries in the garbage. Um, And, of course, natural resources are conserved. Uh, Unfortunately, less than half of people uh, recycle their batteries. And I have to admit, I'm probably, you know, I'm, I'm guilty of that. You get replace the batteries in your TV remote or, you know, whatever, and you just kind of pitch them. But recycling batteries, a good thing to do. National Battery Day today. National Drink Wine Day. You can have a little wine with your crab-stuffed flounder. And it is, I love this, Thumb Appreciation Day. <laughs> it is Thumb Appreciation Day. Well, that seems uh, very important. We definitely want to definitely appreciate our thumb. Our thumbs. So, uh, the uh, cold weather continues. Uh, it, just amazing stories out of Texas uh, with the, uh, the, the power grid not able to, to hold up to the extreme temperatures there. I mean, how often do they have those kind of extreme temperatures? So they're a lot less prepared than we would be here in the Midwest. Uh, but it is from Maine to Texas. Uh, once again, get another, get a little bit of snow this morning to add to the fun. And some places getting more ice and some cases thunderstorms. But uh, the historic bitter cold temperatures in Texas are not only impacting humans, Saw this report from WFLA-TV, which is one of the uh, stations in... WFLA, is that uh, Dallas or is that Houston? Anyway, a report about 2,500 cold-stunned sea turtles have been rescued on South Padre Island. Now, you remember when we have these stories of the really cold temperatures in Florida... They have the iguana, the falling iguana warnings because cold-blooded creatures uh, get paralyzed when the um, temperature gets so cold. Well, guess what? Sea turtles are uh, also cold-blooded, right? And so the cold temperatures um, are causing problems with these sea turtles. Some of them were taken to a conservation facility, but once it ran out of room, the local convention center opened, opened its doors as temporary housing for the cold-stunned sea turtles. A woman on Twitter noted one rescued turtle was over 100 years old. I don't know how they can tell, but because you can't ask a turtle, you know, how old are you? They don't carry around IDs. But anyways, it's uh, over 100 years old. The National Park Service says sea turtles are unable to swim when they are cold-stunned. Again, like the falling iguanas in Florida, they can't move. Well, sea turtles can't swim. And they become vulnerable uh, to predators. They become vulnerable to boat strikes. I don't know who's out there boating in this kind of weather. Uh, They're also being uh, vulnerable to being stranded on the beach. So uh, the sea turtles in in some big trouble. And good to see people stepping up to help the sea turtles. Anyway, I just thought that was kind of interesting. Here's uh, one of the most interesting, most buzzworthy stories that I saw on the Newswire this morning. They say you should always think before you speak, but maybe that's not such good advice. Taking your time to answer a question may make it may may make you appear that you are not being honest with someone. So somebody asks you a question, you pause to consider your answer and you may be giving the impression that you are trying to make something up and that you are being less than truthful. So not always a good idea to think before you speak. Researchers out of France found people judged slower responses as less sincere regardless of the seriousness of the scenario. Uh, whether it is uh, both a trivial uh, whether it is a trivial conversation or a higher stake situation. Um, so whether we're talking about just an everyday conversation between friends or a police interrogation. If you pause, people think that you're trying to come up with a a lie, trying to come up with a story. Also, the longer the silence before the reply, the more the person speaking was viewed as insincere. Scientists said that uh, slower responses tend to be the result 
of the responders suppressing automatic truthful thoughts and fabricating a novel answer. The researchers add that these results can be applied to a wide range of interactions going from workplace chit-chat to couples and friends bickering. So, again, that old adage that you want to think before you speak may not necessarily be the best advice. That's why I always try to have two or three lies just memorized off the tip of my tongue. So that I <laughs> like to have a, a lie or two handy just in case. Just kidding. Here is the uh, daily coronavirus related story. Uh, the Kroger Company, Ohio-based Kroger, closing two supermarkets in Seattle after having earlier said it would close... A couple in Long Beach, California, all four being shut down rather than give workers mandated hazard pay amid the pandemic. A law went into effect in Seattle this month requiring grocery stores of a certain size to pay their workers an extra $4 an hour because of the pandemic. Uh, the company says in a statement, quote, unfortunately, Seattle City Council did not consider that grocery stores, even in a pandemic, operate on razor-thin profit margins in a very competitive landscape, unquote. They said that the hazard pay requirement would make it, again, quoting, impossible to operate a financially sustainable business, unquote. A similar measure passed in Long Beach resulted in a couple of closures there. Now, in that case, well, actually, nationwide, uh, Kroger did pay an extra $2 an hour in hazard pay in the early part of the pandemic, but they stopped doing so last May. They did point out that they have invested $1.5 billion on worker pay and safety measures. But despite the, the claim of hazard pay not being economically feasible, the Seattle Times does point out that Kroger's profits doubled during the first three quarters of 2020 compared to the same period in 2019. So, the ongoing controversy, but it's interesting that uh, Kroger closing at least two supermarkets in Seattle, two more in Long Beach, uh, rather than uh, deal with the uh, increased requirement for a hazard pay. Kind of interesting. Again, uh, all of these things has been brought up so many times. We were talking about it yesterday with respect to uh, education uh, of kids being out of uh, out of school, remote learning, and how that's impacted their education. All of these ripple effects of uh, the pandemic and the shutdowns that you have to wonder how much of that was taken into consideration when we launched all of these restrictions. So there you go. A couple of the most interesting, most buzzworthy stories. Get your Thursday morning started. Take WFIN wherever you go with our updated mobile apps for iPhone and Android. And now you can listen to us on your Alexa device. Get the app at WFIN.com or in the App Store or Google Play. Plus, enable Alexa by searching for WFIN under Skills and you'll soon be saying, Alexa, play 1330 WFIN. And the best part is the apps and skills are absolutely free. On the air at 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. Online at WFIN.com and on your smartphone, tablet, and Alexa devices. Well, as we all know, during the COVID-19 pandemic, many companies moved to remote operations to keep their staff safe and comply with social distancing requirements and so on. And many of those workers now say that they liked that arrangement and would like to continue working remotely, at least some of the time moving forward. But a word of caution there are implications that you probably haven't considered. Bankrate.com analyst Stephen Cates joins us this morning. Stephen, you remember when uh, people were commuting less, auto insurance companies uh, gave rebates to their customers because they were driving less. And uh, we hear that uh, overall uh, auto insurance rates have actually gone down this year compared to last, which almost never happens. The flip side of that is increased liability on your homeowner's policy. Generally speaking, if I have set up a home workspace, is that equipment covered in the event something happens? 
so I, the the answer does depend, and everything you said is is correct. That this changing environment has really kind of thrown a wrench into you know the the lifestyle that most people are used to. When it comes to home insurance, you know your home office, if you've built it out quite a bit, or maybe you brought in a significant amount of of new equipment, let's say you know radio, audio, visual, uh, you know computers, right. whatever the case may be. If you have a lot of equipment or, or, or new property that is in this home office, you need to update your insurance company because that property may not be covered under the previous setup of your policy. Uh, so it is important to always keep up to date on what's new. Uh, there are limits on, on certain, certain specific items and personal property uh, under normal uh, insurance. And so updating that puts you in a better position. Not only are there limits in certain categories, do most policies make a distinction between how something in your home is used? For example, if the laptop that I've always had suddenly becomes something I use for work, as opposed to strictly personal use, can the insurance company then deny a claim in the event of a loss because it's now business equipment? So, you know, the, the gray area there is a bit of a sticky one. You know, the difference between, you know, what a personal laptop use versus a business use is. Uh, and so most insurance companies have, you know, a, a standard limitation on, on some of that property around business that typically limits around $2,500. And so if you have, you know, a significant amount of equipment, as I mentioned, that could exceed that cost, then you may need to speak to your insurance company about additional riders or other things. And they have, uh, you know, very easily uh, added opportunities to cover those additional things. Uh, one of the biggest things that people often add a specific rider for is expensive jewelry, like a, an engagement ring or something like that. Mm-hmm. And you can do the same thing for, you know, different uh, pieces of equipment or different business-related uh, items in your home. And they're also, just like with when filing your taxes, there may be some limitations as to how much you use it for business and how much uh, you use it for uh, for personal use uh, that may apply as well in some cases. Th- that's correct. And, and where people are using their homes much more uh, for you know running a business, even if it's a business that used to exist in an office, um, you know, there are other items within your insurance that may need to be adjusted, such as liability or medical coverage. If you have more foot traffic into your home because you're taking client business there, you know, that's something that you may want to think about. Certainly in an environment like we're in today across the country where we have a significant wintry weather, if, you know, you have, you know, snowy or slippery sidewalks, uh, then that's something that you need to be careful of because slips and falls could cause, you know, uh, an injury or a liability to you. Yeah, that is a, a really good point. And I was going to bring that up. This, this is probably less common, but it is a big one potentially for those it may apply to. If clients are coming to and from your home, uh, it's not just a matter of insuring your personal property, but also your liability for accidental injuries or medical expenses, things like that. Absolutely. And, and that's a factor that I think goes, goes, you know, uh, I think kind of overlooked by a yeah. lot of people is they've gotten used to themselves running out, you know, the business out of their home and, and, you know, maybe doing that now permanently. So, you know, making your home now sort of in, in a way changing the mindset towards a, a business, um, you know, means that you need to have the coverage that would be associated with a business and an office building. Would all this be true for both homeowner and renter's policies, by the way? So renter's policies is a little bit different because, you know, renter's policies is not covering the structure um, that you you may be living in, but it does cover personal property. Um, but it isn't as uh, as broad as a typical homeowner's policy. So there are limitations with renter's insurance. And what you are covered, for instance, you know, if you have roommates um, or, you know, they potentially have guests, that may or may not be covered under your renter's policy. And so it's worth speaking to your insurance company about what specifically is covered under the type of policy that you have. Speaking of automobiles, as we were a moment earlier, if you use your personal vehicle to visit clients, instead of, you know, we were talking about having clients come to your home, if you are using your personal vehicle to visit clients or make deliveries or something like that, uh, something you may not have done before, uh, you may need to look at adjusting your personal car insurance policy as well as an extension of what we're talking about here. That, that is correct. And, and this is something that, you know, the rules for, you know, dealing with 
um, you know, the business use of a personal vehicle hasn't changed in the pandemic, but now it's just suddenly, you know, in the forefront because so many more people are potentially, you know, doing, uh, you know, the Uber or Lyft or, or potentially, you know, delivering for Postmates, um, maybe doing that as a full-time or even as a side hustle. And your personal insurance will not cover you for any liability or accidents when that vehicle is being used for a business. Uh, whether that's a delivery, uh, whether that's an Uber or Lyft. And so it's very important to speak to the company you're working for about what coverage they may provide for you and whatever gaps may exist, you find coverage for those circumstances. So that's really the bottom line message that we're talking about here is that you really need to start this dialogue with your homeowner's insurance company, your auto insurance company, and say, here's what I'm doing. Here's how I'm doing it. Here's my personal situation. Am I covered? What coverages do I need? That's 100% correct. Unfortunately, you know, everybody's circumstance is going to potentially be different. You know, state rules are different. Uh, you know, everybody's lifestyle and, and kind of work situation is now much different. And so, you know, you have to find out what is going to really matter to you on an insurance side, and you have to be your own best advocate. So unfortunately, you know, you and I can't give everybody a blanket answer, right. um, but you're 100% correct, and I couldn't have said it better. You know, you have to go out there and have that dialogue to solve your own insurance gaps. And you bring up a good point that we didn't even begin to touch on uh, is uh, what are the state requirements uh, for uh, operating a business uh, out of your home or using your personal vehicle and so on. So that also comes into play, perhaps. Again, uh, Bankrate.com analyst Stephen Cates with us this morning talking about the insurance implications of the remote workplace. And where do we get more information? So you can go to bankrate.com. You know, all of this information that we've been talking about uh, is in a new article that we've just published uh, this past Tuesday. So that's going to go over a lot of the details we just talked about uh, in a little bit more, uh, a little bit more detail. Um, but you can also look at a lot of the articles that we have uh, on other parts of home and auto insurance that specifically will give you uh, a little bit of advice on where to find the best rates and how to find uh, the best comparisons. Good stuff. Stephen, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Obviously, the pandemic upended the status quo of office work. And as we were mentioning earlier, a lot of folks found that they like being able to work from home. But there is a downside. What we miss in the remote office paradigm is the sense of belonging and camaraderie. New research from Slack the workplace collaboration software found that reimagining old processes can lead to an improved experience in that regard. Christina Janzer is director of research and analytics at Slack. And Christina, it's important to point out that when we say reimagining how you've done things in the past can make for an improved work experience, that applies not just to those who are now working remotely, but in many cases makes things better for those who are physically in the office as well. It, it benefits everyone. Oh, absolutely. I think that's such a great point. A lot of the changes that people are making for the purpose of benefiting those that are working remotely will only benefit everyone in the future. So I think that's such an important thing to think about. So how does working remotely or the hybrid con concept even change the work experience, that sense of belonging uh, and, and those workplace connections and relationships? You've done research on this. Yes, absolutely. And you, you hit the nail on the head. So what we're seeing is that people actually, for the most part, feel really good about working remotely. We've seen that people are generally happy. They generally prefer it to being in the office. Um, we see increase in productivity. We see increases in sort of work-life balance, you know, all that kind of stuff. But like you mentioned, what's really hurting and what's really sort of um, challenging is this sense of belonging. So people feel less connected. They feel more isolated. Um, and it's just harder to build relationships when, when you're working remotely. And so that's the thing that is really important for people to sort of prioritize and think about how can we sort of reimagine 
the way that we're doing work to sort of promote this sense of belonging and to help people feel more connected. And so what do you suggest? I mean, how can you maintain those relationships, build those connections between yourself and your team, uh, your coworkers, and so on? What are some of the best strategies, best practices? So I think the first thing that I would say is it's important for us to, to really think about working differently. And so we need to invest in, you know, virtual offices is the best way to put it, right? We need those asynchronous tools, you know, like Slack so that people have the opportunity to quickly check in with each other. So people have the opportunity to share updates asynchronously. Um, you know, those are the things that we didn't really need as much perhaps, or at least we didn't think we need as, we didn't think we needed as much in the office, but are becoming so much more important now. And so, um, you know, thinking about reimagining some of our processes, like one great example of this is we're finding that people are really tired of spending too much time on video meetings. And so this idea of Zoom fatigue is real. And we're seeing that for people who spend too much time on video meetings, it's actually detracting from their sense of belonging. And so a specific example of that is, you know, there's this meeting that a lot of people attend, like a status meeting, right? And it's an opportunity to sort of give updates on what you're working on, give updates on whatever project it is that you're that you're working on. And a lot of people have started to do these status meetings on Zoom or on some sort of video chat. And that's actually really hurting. Um, that's really detracting from people's sense of belonging. Um, it's sort of leading to a decrease in sort of like morale. And so it's important to be really intentional about how you spend the time on video meetings. And, you know, rather than using that to update on status, put that stuff in a channel, put that self stuff on a digital, you know, on a digital workplace. Um, and instead, use that time together to sort of build camaraderie, to have more team building exercises, whether that's a brainstorm or whether it's, you know, um, something more lightweight, like, you know, some sort of like trivia. You know, those are the types of things that's going to help build those personal connections. And that's what you really want to use your video time for. So an important point there, you're not saying that those uh, video conferences or video meetings uh, are, are something you can eliminate entirely. There are going to be times when those are necessary, but uh, doing them a little bit differently, rethinking the agenda perhaps uh, will go a long way. Absolutely. I mean, I think what we saw happen at the beginning of the pandemic is people had their in-office calendar. They're all the meetings that they used to go to when they were in the office. And they just naturally converted those all to video meetings. Yeah. And I think people are slowly sort of reimagining, well, what is this meeting actually for? Is this meeting actually useful? Or should I really rethink? Maybe we can just provide updates in email or updates on Slack. And so I think it's just a good opportunity for us to sort of rethink how we do work, and that will make everyone better in the yeah. future. Does it also present specific challenges when, say, some members of a team are working remotely and others are in the office? Because the other thing that we found is that not everybody does enjoy working remotely. There are some who like being in the office, the structure of being in the office. There will be those who uh, will need to be in office. When you have some members of a team working remotely, some in the office, does that present some unique challenges in and of itself? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the, the worst case scenario is that, you know, a lot of people are in the office and the people who are remote feel left out. Um, so, you know, you don't want the situation where, you know, you feel like you're missing out because you're not where everyone else is. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's why, you know, we're seeing a lot of success with this concept of the virtual office, right? And so thinking about tools like Slack as that is your headquarters. Your headquarters isn't necessarily in the office, but how can you think about sort of a level playing field so that everyone feels sort yeah. of, you know, in the same place? Um, and I think that's really important because, you know, the future is going to be hybrid. What we hear from our research is that the majority of people 
want to be in the office sometimes and at home sometimes. They mm-hmm. want that flexibility. So yeah. we need to be prepared for that. Yeah. I, I like that. Rethinking the idea of not a physical headquarters, if you will, but a virtual headquarters. And that will help you kind of re-envision the idea of uh, inclusivity for everyone. Uh, based on all of this, and again, the research that you have done, what uh, are, what should companies be prioritizing right now? Let's speak to employers specifically. What should they be prioritizing right now? So I think there's there's two things that I'll say. One is, you know, going back to that point about choice. So people want the choice to work remotely sometimes from the office sometimes. They also want the choice to work the hours that work best from them. So flexibility is super important, both in terms of location, but also in terms of time. And when people have those flexible, when people have that flexibility, their scores are so much higher on all dimensions of the remote survey that I talked about before. So we need to just be prepared for that. And people need to build tools and systems so that people, like you said, like so that people feel included. Um, and then the second thing I will say is it's just time for us to think about working differently. So we need to invest in a virtual office if you don't already have one. We need to invest in asynchronous communication tools like Slack. Um, and, you know, all of that stuff is going to enable the flexible work schedules. It's going to boost productivity and it's going to lead to overall more satisfied employees. And that's what we need to be thinking about is, is people want this flexibility and we need to, we need to help them with that because it's going to, um, it's going to lead to sort of better re- retention and, and just happier employees long term. And that's the bottom line. Uh, good stuff there. Christina Janzer, again, Senior Director of Research and Analytics at Slack. Uh, thanks very much for taking the time. Where do we get more information on all of this research, more tips and advice? So Slack.com is a great place to go. Lots of tips and tricks. Um, and then also some of the research that my team has done. Now that the you know, impeachment mess is all resolved uh, in Congress, uh, the uh, legislators on Capitol Hill can kind of turn their attention to looking forward. And uh, we've got a new administration that uh, still is. Do you realize that uh, many of the uh, president's cabinet members have yet to be fully confirmed? Among them, Ag Secretary nominee Tom Vilsack. Uh, who had earlier this month his committee hearing uh, to uh, resume the position of Ag Secretary. He served as uh, Secretary of Agriculture in the Obama administration. He had his committee hearing earlier this month, but has yet to receive a full Senate vote. In his own words, Tom Vilsack outlined in that committee hearing his priorities for the USDA moving forward. USDA contributor Stephanie Ho has the story in today's Everyday Agriculture report. As former Secretary of Agriculture, Tom Vilsack is no stranger to the position, and he noted his familiarity with the job in his confirmation hearing to be the Biden administration's Ag Secretary. And I realized that I'm back again, but I also realized that this is a fundamentally different time, and I am a different person, and it is a different department. In his opening remarks, Vilsack noted one of his early political inspirations. In 1968, Robert Kennedy repeated repeated a famous quote in a speech at the University of Kansas. George Bernard Shaw once wrote, Some people see things as they are and say, Why? I dream things who never were and say, Why not? This is the quote that Tom Vilsack referred to in his confirmation hearing to once again be Secretary of Agriculture. I think we are faced today with a number of why not opportunities and moments in agriculture, in the food industry, and in rural America. Specifically, he told the Senate Agriculture Committee that he saw four why not issues. I think we are at a why not moment with reference to the climate change. I think there's an opportunity for us to create new markets, incentives for soil health, for carbon sequestration, for methane capture and reuse. He said USDA efforts to address climate change can help build up rural economies. Based on biomanufacturing, protecting our forests, turning waste material into new chemicals and materials and fabrics and fibers, creating more jobs in rural America, creating greater farm income stability, and also reducing emissions. He pointed to another why not moment. With reference to food security that plagues millions of financially distressed children, seniors, and families. At the same time, on the flip side of that same issue. And also a why not moment on nutrition insecurity that causes millions of Americans, especially people of color, 
to cope with obesity and diabetes and other chronic diseases. I think we can create a food system that makes healthy and nutritious food more available, more convenient, and more affordable to all Americans. The third issue he highlighted was the openness and competitiveness of U.S. markets. The reality is we lack openness, fairness, and competitiveness, and resiliency as the COVID-19 crisis has shown in many of our agricultural markets. So what does he propose? I think we can strengthen the rules and laws designed to promote openness and fairness. I think we can support more marketing and processing opportunities and facilities throughout the country that will help to create jobs, greater resilience, and more competitiveness in our food system. Meanwhile, Senator Debbie Stabenow referred to an issue that Tom Vilsack also listed as a priority. The USDA has a long and sordid history of civil rights abuses and systematic racism that has created economic disparities for farmers of color across the country. As Senator Stabenow has indicated, we need to fully, deeply, and completely address the longstanding inequities, unfairness, and discrimination that has been the history of USDA programs for far too long. First, he described his vision. To a future where all are treated equitably, fairly, where there is zero tolerance for discrimination, where programs actually open up opportunity for all who need help and lift the burden of persistent poverty for those most in need. And then he described one of the things he plans to do to get there. We need to take a much deeper dive than has ever been taken before in terms of the USDA programs to identify what barriers actually in fact exist in each of those programs. And I would anticipate and expect that we would put together, for lack of a better term, an equity commission or a task force that would be charged with taking a look at USDA programs. Some issues such a commission would look into include... Identifying, is there systemic racism inherent in these programs? Are there barriers maybe intentional or unintentional barriers that make it difficult for people to access the programs? And if so, how do we correct that? What steps need to be taken? Meanwhile, a related issue he pointed to is technical assistance. We work with people who are trusted in the community. It's very difficult sometimes in those communities to go in from the government and say, you know, the old adage, we're from the government, we're here to help. Maybe it's better to say we're from the government, we want to affiliate ourselves with a community building organization that you do trust that you do listen to. Which he added also helps further USDA's goals. We want to work with that community building organization to provide the information and the technical assistance and the awareness and the steps necessary for you to be successful in developing these programs. Tom Vilsack also commented on the importance of fighting COVID-19. I recognize the unprecedented challenge that we face with COVID and while pursuing these why not opportunities will not shirk the duties and responsibilities of the department connected to COVID relief and recovery as well as all of our other responsibilities. I'm Stephanie Ho for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C. Comments from Tom Vilsack uh, in his committee hearing to be President Biden's Ag Secretary. Obviously, again, he's uh, he's previously served uh, in that role, so you would think that uh, confirmation uh, would be pretty smooth for the uh, new Ag Secretary, outlying some of his priorities for the USDA. However, there is, as yet, uh, last check, there's no Uh, schedule for a full Senate hearing or confirmation vote on many of the as-yet-unconfirmed nominees for the president's cabinet, including Tom Vilsack. Stay tuned. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's report on the odd and unusual side of the news uh, brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. Now, You know that uh, a lot of places, uh, folks are fed up with winter uh, right about now. I know in Texas they are. (laughs) They've had had enough. uh, We we are too. But uh, this is probably not the best way to deal with all of the snow and the ice. Lighting your lawn on fire is not a good way to uh, clear clear the winter weather. Police in New Jersey responded on Friday to a man's home in Midland Park after he set a small fire to try and melt the snow and ice outside his home. Uh, The man who is unnamed in the police report had poured a half gallon of gasoline on a two-foot-by-two-foot-square section of his backyard. Uh, When the fire department arrived, uh, they had to uh, use Speedy Dry to uh, soak up the gas. Imagine it did not end well. Lighting your lawn on fire, it'll it'll do away with the snow. It's not the preferred method. <laughs> do not try, kids. Do not try this at home. Elsewhere in the uh, broken news, uh, sometimes 
Taking a nap can be your undoing. Police in Pennsylvania were called to a parking lot at local Home Depot in Bethel Park, Pennsylvania, where a woman was passed out in her car. Police noticed she had a lot of merchandise in her vehicle, and upon further investigation, they found a second suspect, <coughs> excuse me, who they say was still inside the store and allegedly shoplifting even more merchandise. <laughs> you stay here and, and you stay here and steal more stuff. I'm going to go to the car and take a nap. <laughs> Police say 40-year-old Jessica Clibbins regained consciousness in the car, but both she and Adam Foltz, age 42, had trouble explaining the $1,300 worth of stolen merchandise from not only the uh, Home Depot, but Bed Bath & Beyond, Giant Eagle, Macy's, Dick's Sporting Goods, Target, and Walmart. They had had a full day. No wonder she needed a nap. They had done a lot of uh, shopping or shoplifting, as the uh, case may be. It's going to be tiring. Uh, both face charges of retail theft, among other things. So this <laughs> had a full day right there. Uh, let's see. Uh, this from uh, South Florida. Now, I know that it, it it can be a bit tiresome to have to constantly wear a face mask when you are out, especially if you are traveling. You know, if, you, if you've traveled at all during the course of the past year, having to wear a face mask all the time, I mean, it gets old after a while. However, it's just something you have to deal with. Two men are accused of posing as federal marshals in order to subvent the ordinance requiring facial coverings at the Wyndham Deerfield Beach Resort in South Florida. <laughs> when staff asked Wayne Brown Jr., age 53, and Gary Brummett, age 81, to uh, cover their faces, the men refused and threatened to arrest employees and fine the hotel <laughs> because they were federal marshals. An employee found the whole thing suspicious and contacted police. Officers and a real U.S. Marshal arrived and arrested the men on charges of impersonating a federal officer. <laughs> All to get out of wearing face masks. <laughs> I understand it's frustrating, but again, probably not the best way of dealing with that. Um, when you get home from traveling, this is not what you want to find uh, when you uh, get back from your trip. Um, in uh, a, a family in Maine returned home from a, a trip to find that a stranger had essentially made themselves at home in their home. According to uh, local news reports, 34-year-old Sean Schoon, uh, Schoonmaker broke into a home uh, there in Maine. I'm not sure exactly where in Maine this is, but somewhere in Maine. Instead of stealing anything, <laughs> he just made himself right at home. He took a candlelit bath, prepared himself a meal, and replaced family photos around the home. <laughs> he took down their family photos and put up his own. <laughs> the uh, homeowners who were returning after an overnight Valentine's Day trip discovered the intruder when they noticed a strange car in their garage. Uh, obviously, they figured out something was off. So they uh, drove to a neighbor's house and called police. When authorities arrived, they found Mr. Schoonmaker lounging around the home uh, just making it his own. He was arrested and is currently facing charges related to the break-in. <laughs> Took a candlelit bath, made himself a meal, and replaced the family photos around the home. <laughs> All in a day. I mean, it was like a, a day and a half they have been gone. And finally, in the uh, broken news this morning, this sounds like every barber or hairstylist's worst nightmare. Steve Silva is a barber in Boston. Uh, had a, uh, a hairy incident. This past Friday, when he was giving a customer a haircut, he slipped and fell on the floor and fell directly into the scissors he was holding. Max Cohen, who is getting the haircut, says Mr. Silva stood up and pulled the scissors out of his chest as co-workers rushed to help him. The 29-year-old was taken to a nearby hospital where he underwent emergency open-heart surgery to repair the artery that the scissors has, had pierced. They say he will be hospitalized for at least two weeks, but he is expected to make a full recovery. A GoFundMe campaign has been set up for Mr. Silva, who had just returned to work after the owner of the shop had to lay off employees amid the coronavirus pandemic. Wow. 
I guess, an occupational hazard I never really thought about. There you go. Uh, that is, I'm glad he's going to be okay. That is uh, today's broken news report. Uh, brought to you as a public service of Hancock County Veteran Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. A social distancing tip. While the CDC urges you to avoid close contact, like hugging or shaking hands, there are other non-physical ways to say hello. Wave, wink, use sign language, salute, smile, give the peace sign, throw up an air high five, do jazz hands. Remember, stay a minimum of six feet or two arms length away from others and stay home if you can. For more info, visit coronavirus.gov. Let's all do our part because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Well, you remember earlier this week, we were talking about the new report from the State Advisory Committee to the U.S. Civil Rights Commission on the disparities in the availability of and access to health care during the pandemic. Well, that doesn't just apply to COVID-19 directly. Minority communities have seen a disproportionate number of other issues such as addiction and relapse as well. Again, these are ongoing issues, certainly, that have been exacerbated by the pandemic. And in order to help combat this problem, Sober Grid, the world's largest online sober community, is currently offering digitally enhanced free health services, including mental health, addiction, and health care for minority communities throughout the state of Ohio. Wendy Warrington is executive administrator of Sober Grid. And Wendy, first off, what types of services does your platform offer to users for those who may not be familiar? Well, um, as you, you mentioned, um we offer um, a free social media app for those who are in and um, are seeking recovery. Um, and uh, it's really meant to be a, a social support network for individuals. In addition to that, we offer um, state certified peer recovery coaching that um, is offered 24-7, 365 days a year. Um, in addition to that, in the state of Ohio, within our app, we also um, have a uh, medication-assisted treatment resource locator hmm. for individuals who are looking for um, treatment. Now, some of that is free to begin with. What is now available at no cost are the peer recovery coaching features. Is that right? Those uh, features are offered for various, we, we have various um, coaching programs uh, where people can qualify for. The, the one uh, in particular is um, one that is covered through the Ohio Opioid Response Continuum Grant for minorities who have a primary or secondary diagnosis of opioid use disorder or those with a documented history of opioid-related overdose. Now, as you mentioned, this is made available uh, as a free service uh, through a grant from the Ohio Opiate Response Continuum. Uh, how do folks avail themselves of that uh, that benefit? I mean, is there uh, something they need to do to sign up for that? Absolutely. They can go right to um, SoberGrid.com. There's a, a free coaching section there. They can uh, fill out the, the form and uh, a coach will reach out to them or they can call the number directly and a coach will get them signed up. They'll even walk them through if they have a smartphone um, and they want to join the app, they can join the app. Um, the program is separate from the app. So if someone does not have access to a smartphone, um, they can still have access to a coach 24-7, 365. Now, uh, as I understand it for now, this is a limited time grant through the fall. Is there hope that you can extend the availability of those services at no cost uh, to those who need them beyond uh, the initial time frame of the grant? Absolutely. We're going to be looking really to the Ohio Department of Mental Health and Addiction Services to see if there's additional opportunities to be able to extend, extend that. And then we also right now are really trying to perhaps find some private foundations who may want to extend that if those funds aren't available through the state of Ohio. 
And again, as we mentioned, this is not a new problem. It's not something that just came about because of the pandemic. The pandemic, however, has kind of put a spotlight on the disparity in the availability and access, uh, especially within the minority population. That's why we're highlighting that. And this is also not unique to the state of Ohio. I don't want to give the impression that somehow we're so much worse off than the rest of the country. Every state has struggled with this. Talk a little bit about what you bring to the table that is particularly unique, and and do you see this as as perhaps not the solution, but part of the solution to this longstanding problem? Absolutely, and just to, to piggyback um, off of what you just said, you know, we, according to the overdose uh, detection mapping application program, overdoses from opioids and other drugs rose eighteen percent within that first four months of the pandemic. Mm. And um, also the death rate in Ohio from opioid overdose is the highest rate it's been in 10 years. And so it's, it's quite, quite staggering. Um, and so, you know, as I, I mentioned before, um, this is really uh, meant to, uh, it, it, for some, it can be their treatment path for recovery and support to maintain their, their recovery and sobriety. Um, or it can be in concert with other treatment, whether that's um, with a therapist, psychologist, um, a med- an MAT provider. Um, it, it's really meant to be multifaceted in that way. Yeah. And peer recovery coaching is, is an, an evidence-based um, approach to um, supporting recovery. And there's something that is really, I think, uh, important, especially during the pandemic, when you have people who are in isolation, there's a lot of strain and stress. Mm-hmm. And um, there, there's a, a really important component where people really need that connection. And, and oftentimes, um, whether you know, they can't get that necessarily from their family um, or their, their friends, um, it, it's important that they find the avenues in which they can, can reach that. And so that's what I really think is very powerful um, about our, our program. Number one is, is the peer coaching and having that relationship. Yeah. And then, then the second piece is really around the community. And I'll just give you an example of that. Um, on our app, we offer um, a, uh, a button that people can press at any time, 24-7, 365. We have over 300,000 people on our app. We're in 170 countries. At any time, somebody can hit the burning desire button and they can post something within the community that says, you know, I'm struggling, I need mm. help. And that yeah. the community will immediately reach out. So there's, um, uh, there's a, a level of support there that I think is, is really important. A uh, very important point as well. And, and the point you made earlier is uh, well taken as well, that it just, just when it seemed like maybe we were starting to get a handle on the opioid problem in the state of Ohio, along comes this, and suddenly those numbers shoot right up. And at the end of the day, more resources uh, to help folks is a good thing. Again, uh, Wendy Warrington is Executive Administrator of Sober Grid. Uh, and where do folks learn more. Wendy, give us uh, more. In, where can we go for more information? Sobergrid.com has all of the information. They can go right to the free coaching um, or they can just call us directly at 216-430-0819. And we have those resources linked up at our webpage as well, goodmornings.net. That will put a wraps on our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program. Remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at goodmornings.net. That is our little corner of the World Wide Web. You can also connect with us on social media. Shoot us an email if there's something you want to share directly with us. Sign up for our daily email newsletter and more. Again, goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow on the program as we finish up the week with millions of Americans out of work and off of of their employer-sponsored health insurance plans, the healthcare.gov exchange has opened a special open enrollment period to help bridge that gap. We'll get more details on that. Plus, Restaurant Week in Findlay is coming up next week, and we'll get the full details. So important for struggling eateries around the community. So until tomorrow morning, that is good mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, going out making a good day, 
We'll catch you back here tomorrow.